0: It's time for Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Chamhain-Urbana, where we talk all things eye along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Got a handful of guests lined up for you. Plenty to talk about on uh, this edition. First Saturday Sports Talk in the month of May. Sun is shining, another good day here in central illinois we'll start things off with uh illini basketball strength and conditioning coach adam fletcher who is on the line with us uh, this morning adam how are you doing are you with us adam yeah okay good How's, how's it going this morning
2: yeah going great going great thanks for having me on
1: no problem want to kind of touch base with you on a couple of things uh Number one, how you're staying in contact with the guys uh, during uh, this, uh, this time, and uh, has it been kind of challenging for you? I guess it has, but you, you kind of uh, adapt to what's going on, don't you?
2: Yeah, we do what we can. Um, it's um, obviously, you know, unprecedented times, but we've been able to uh, work around it, and, and our guys have done a great job um, staying active.
1: What's been the biggest challenge
2: well, it's the, the biggest challenge is, is the limited access uh, to equipment and or really just a gym facility. Um, so really had to redefine uh, our exercise selection. You know, we're used to, to having the best, you know, in, in the country, and uh, that's provided to us all the time. And whenever that's stripped away, you, have, you certainly have to get creative. And what we did was we took everything online and uh, used an app called True Coach that we're still using and filmed uh, myself going through a bunch of uh, essentially bodyweight exercises that our guys could do um, anywhere, you know, at their house or outside, wherever they might be able to find a place to work and, uh, you know, have have stayed in contact with them through that app. And, and you know, they've been able to film themselves going through it. And, and there's been a little bit of feedback there um, for, you know, how they're doing things. And, and it's it's been great and really impressed with how they've handled the situation and just you know their dedication you know at times like this really shows you know how dedicated a guy might be and and what they try to to do to to make work happen and man couldn't be prouder of the guys and and the work that they've been putting in
3: Adam uh, this is Lauren uh are there any limitations on on the things you can do from home I mean I I keep I kind of read things and uh, about uh, some problems and actually, that are, are there might, are, what limitations do you have?
2: Yeah, like I said, the, the biggest thing is right. I mean, we're fortunate. We're fortunate, at University of Illinois, where we've got you know, the athletics program has given us the best. And you know, in those times where you don't have access to that equipment, is is where you have to get creative. And I wouldn't say it's a problem. Um, it's certainly not ideal, right? It's not the best case scenario, but but what we've created with our guys is, is a culture where, you know, the everyday guys is, is real. And, you know, they, they, they've, they've done such a good job of, of maintaining their training training capacity um, even through the bodyweight exercises. So I guess really, you know, the biggest issue is just the contact with them and, and seeing them every day. Um, you know, it's just not, it's just not the same uh, through, through the phone.
3: Well, and, when I brought, when I brought up limitations, I was talking about NCAA limitations. Is there anything that they said to you that you can't do?
2: Yeah, well, everything is everything is optional uh, at this point. So, um, you know, we 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 give them you know guidelines that they can follow if they want to, and that's 100% up to the guys. You know, normally if they were on campus, Lauren, they they would have you know, time restrictions with us that they that they are are expected to be at and and complete the exercises. Um, Right now, everything is optional. So the NCAA has said you can't make anything mandatory. Uh, Everything is is done on their own time and, and completely up to them.
3: Are you dealing with anybody other than the basketball players?
2: Yeah, we uh we've uh, been able to reach out to some some alumni and and some some guys that have have been a part of this great history um, and have you know had a little bit of fun with with some some old players and have got them on board with the app and and they're doing a great job too.
3: Um as far as IO and Kofi are concerned, are you working directly with them still? Are they part of the program even though their uh their names in on the draft they declared for the draft?
2: Yeah, yeah, we still we still work with with those guys, you know, daily. Um and they're still very very active um with everything that we're doing as a team. So, although their name is in the draft, they they're, you know, like they've said publicly, they're they're still keeping their options open and they're still very, you know, active within our team activities.
1: Visiting with Adam Fletcher, the basketball strength and conditioning coach. Talk a little bit about the COVID-19 fundraiser that you and some of your colleagues have been involved in recently.
2: It was great. You know, whenever everything broke and we were all kind of searching for what we could do, a couple, me and a couple of colleagues got together and, and brainstormed, you know, how can we make an impact? And it really started off, uh, kind of small and and certainly grew some wings. Uh, our original goal was thirty thousand dollars. We thought, hey, if we can raise thirty thousand dollars for this COVID nineteen relief fund, you know what a special thing that would be. And you know, just through the the hunger of of you know people wanting to reach out and support, uh, we quickly turned thirty thousand dollar goal into over one hundred sixty two thousand uh, dollars raised and. It was really special. Just just the community of strength coaches, you know, it was worldwide. We had people from all over the world. There was over 7,000 people uh, that that signed up for it. It was a four-day webinar event where we got uh, you know strength coaches from around the country to speak about what they do, and what a great you know what a great turnout it was, and and certainly you know it wasn't possible without all those you know, the strength coach community coming together and, you know, raising, being able to raise that amount of money for, for the relief fund was, was certainly special. And and can't thank the people that were involved with it enough.
1: Is that something that's ongoing? Can somebody still contribute to that? Yeah, you can go to coaches
2: 19com And, and you can actually go back and see all of the presentations that were, that were given. Uh, I was a part of, of a, A roundtable discussion where it was me alongside 10 other uh, basketball strength coaches um, from various levels and i was moderating that discussion so if anyone wants to go back and and watch that they can go to coachesversecovid19.com and just click that link that's underneath uh, our discussion but there's 22 hours of presentations that are available free to public uh, so anyone that's interested in strength and conditioning or maybe looking to implement something with their high school uh, programs, it's a great resource and you can still donate. You know, the, the, the window is still open. We're still accepting donations. Um, that continues to grow and and couldn't be more excited about the impact that it's had.
1: I think a lot of us these days are trying to make uh, lemonade out of bad lemons at uh, some point. And have you done that with this time? Have you found different things to do to maybe uh, improve uh, what you do? Have you, uh, networked and uh, talked to uh, other strength and conditioning coaches maybe a little more than you would have normally?
2: Yeah there's been a lot more uh, really just sharing of information uh, which has been great within the industry Um, and you know that's been great. Also honestly just kind of rethinking you know how I've done things and and maybe areas that I could do better. It's really been a great time for self-reflection. You know, normally uh, you don't get this this amount of downtime to, to stop and think. It's it, The ball is constantly rolling and you're just trying to keep up. And, man, this downtime has been great for self-reflection. Uh, really going to dive into what I've done in the past, you know, what has worked, what hasn't worked. Um, you know, and, and obviously staying true and, and maintaining, you know, what our philosophy is. But I think we've been able to get creative, uh, find different ways to, to execute, you know, Uh, programs and and there's going to be some change when our guys come back just because I've had time to dive into the way I've done things the last five years
3: Adam uh, Coach Underwood was quoted today in the paper uh, relative to Hutchinson being the most athletic I think that's what he said the most athletic member of the team Uh, he sat out this past year and of course Grandison's also sat out what can you tell us about those two guys in terms of what you've been able to get done with them over the year that they've been here
2: yeah, it's been great. It's been a great year for both of them in terms of development. Anytime that you, you know, go from the level that they were playing at and, and both of them were, you know, at, at, a, at a lower level, um, having a year to really get fit into into our system I think is really important. Um, so they both did a really good job of understanding our system, understanding what what Coach Underwood's culture is about. Um, and there's a growing – there's you know, there's, there's growing pains to that. And, and they both – went through that process pretty quickly and I couldn't be prouder of both of them. They've they've done a really good job with their physical development. Um, I think they're both going to be serviceable next year and, and, you know, we'll be, will be a good piece uh, to add into the, the the players that we already have. And I think they'll make an impact.
4: Well,
3: when he says uh, Hutcherson is the most athletic is he the best jumper. I mean, uh, I would have thought that yeah. Adrian. I would have thought that Griffin might have been the best jumper when he was here. Of course, he's he's going to yeah, Syracuse. But yeah. what are, what are, uh, do you have any way of testing that to know who the the best sleepers are?
2: Yeah, he he's uh, he's certainly up there. Um, you know, he's he's got a, a vertical jump that's that's over forty inches. Which you know, anytime you get up over forty inches, that's you know, we consider those guys you know very special athletes, and and he's one of them. Um, you know I think what makes him special is his length so you know you think of a guy like Trent Frazier who's got a vertical jump that's over 40 inches it doesn't get to to, you don't get to display that as much because he just doesn't have great length so sometimes that can get lost but when you when you get a guy that's built like Austin is and and has the length um, you know that that athleticism alongside that length uh, makes him a special defender I think he's got a really good shot to to be you know impact uh, the defensive end and uh, you know he's going to be a good player for us. Uh, that athleticism translates, so we're excited to get him on the court. Uh,
3: can you tell us anything about Miller or Hawkins or Crebello, the signees? Uh, are you allowed to deal with them?
2: Yeah, they they've uh, they're all on the same training app uh, that 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 the other guys are on. So uh, they've all been very very interactive uh, with with what we're doing. They're they're uh, our teammate. You know the teammates are reaching out to them. I know DeMonte is is close to adam and they've worked together several times uh you know i know kofi and cabello and have got a great relationship and and they've been communicating back and forth and working together and, and georgie has, has been in with those guys they're all you know what's what's special is uh, lauren and, and the culture piece has really grown the guys that we have on our roster currently are are bringing those guys in and and reaching out to them um, and I'll say since I've been here this is really the first time I've seen that um, where the freshmen and the current roster are already you know coming together and, and that's one of those areas where you don't normally get that and I wonder if if maybe this time the COVID-19 uh, it's kind of it's kind of bonded them together even closer so really excited to see you know how quickly those relationships built but man they're those guys are doing a great job and, and following along and, and really doing the best that they can.
1: One final question for Adam Fletcher. Can you do anything about the vertical jumps of <laughs> Lauren and myself? I knew that was hey. coming. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I would say that time probably passed. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way to put <laughs> that <laughs> thing. If we can work on balance and, and and stay healthy, that's where I'm at too guys. So it's yeah. not like it's not like we're too far removed. But yeah, balance uh, is a big it's about, thing. It's about healthy it's about healthy lifestyle at this point.
1: No doubt. I,
3: I could I, at one time I could dunk a ping pong ball.
1: <laughs> Very, hey, that's impressive. <laughs> that that wasn't just <laughs> last year though, was
3: it? <laughs> no, that was, it was the year before.
1: <laughs> hey Adam, thanks for your time. <laughs> Always good to catch up with you.
3: Thanks, Adam.
2: Thanks
1: for having me on. You bet. Thank you. Adam Fletcher, the strength and conditioning coach for Fighting Illini basketball. The first of our guests today coming up in uh, just a few moments. Trent Meacham will join us at the bottom of the hour. Mark Tupper from Decatur. At 10 o'clock, David Schuster will check in from Chicago. And at 10.30, Paul Klee will join us. If you're out and about today, you may have noticed in the News Gazette this morning that uh, some Fighting Illini face covers are going to be... Passed out on a first-come, 1st first serve basis. I think they have 1,500 bandana-type face coverings for residents of Champaign County. And uh, they start doing that at noon. Kent Brown was kind enough to uh, stop by here right before we went on the air and uh, gave us a couple of those. Cars should enter South 4th Street from Windsor Road. Cars should put a piece, uh, Cars should put a piece of paper in the passenger side of the windshield with the number of face coverings you're requesting, limit of one face covering per person with a maximum of five per car. That's done by the athletics department and they'll be in place to take care of that. It gets started at noon. You can line up probably a little bit early if you want to, but uh, a little something from the, while they last, from the Department of Energy. And, and, and we're again right. Uh, at and BFL building.
3: And right in front of the BFL building. Okay. Circle Drive at the BFL right, building. I got building. you
1: its is 9-16. We'll take our first time out. We'll be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. <music> Moving up on nine nineteen. 19 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're here with you until... 11 o'clock this morning here on DWS, the phone line is open, three five six nine three nine seven. Thanks to Adam Fletcher for spending a few minutes uh, with us off the top. Trent Meacham, former Illinois basketball player, is with us now. Good morning, Trent. How's it going with you?
5: Good morning, Steve and Lauren. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. You staying busy in these uh, difficult times?
5: Well, <laughs> even, you know, I'm thankful to still be working and staying busy there, but uh, with three kids, three and under at home. Um, it's always pretty crazy. You might hear them in the background here, but uh, that's kind of the, the new normal, a little bit working from home, uh, more so than normal, and uh, kind of navigating that. But I'm, I'm enjoying that.
1: I want to talk to you about a few things. Uh, one, being a former college basketball player, college student athlete, your thoughts on uh, the opportunity to uh, perhaps get paid for your name and likeness. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, opening a can of well, something <laughs> i think is going to be different uh, difficult to maybe uh, administer at some point but the, the basic concept i think i like but what are your thoughts about it
6: yeah well it, it, it could be difficult
5: um and, and lauren wrote a nice piece a week or so ago college basketball college sports aren't going away there's too many good things there uh too much support from there um you know, we've also figured out a lot more difficult things than learning how to dis- distribute money or allow people to um, profit off their image, off their abilities. So I think we have, uh, especially in higher education, I-, I would think we should have some of the brightest minds in figuring out how that should work. So uh, I-, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Um, there will be some uh, mishaps here and there, but that's that's the deal with anything. I think it's the right thing to do. And the way I look at it is, okay, you go to school to get an education, to prepare yourself for the next step, to, to make a living, to be a, a, you know, a successful person in society and add to our, our, our world. And to get more experience as young as possible is the best thing. So when I think about, a, you know, you could, you could drill and drill and drill the basketball player. Get all the practice. You could practice, you know, you could work for months against a cone. And you could you could think you're really really good but until you actually get there in a the game and get to experience real like competition uh real adversity you don't really know where you're at and so for a young person to be able to learn okay now i have the opportunity to market myself to promote myself how can i bring value to a business to an individual i there's real money on the line i think that's the very best education for a young person i mean to allow them to enter that game earlier. So in terms of higher education, um, allowing people to, I think it's the right thing to do, but I think it's going to be very good for individuals uh, because they're going to learn at a faster rate because there's real money on the line. And also I think it it ups the ante in terms of how do they um, conduct themselves off the court. Okay. Because (laughs) that has a big factor on the bottom line too. So uh, I think you guys maybe, maybe will make smarter decisions, uh, on and off the field because they know right now they could potentially profit for that. So I'm excited about it. I know at this point it's just, uh, recommendations and the NCA moves very slowly. So we'll see how it plays out, but it is in- inevitable and I think it's a good thing in, in my eyes.
3: Hey, Trina, you brought up a new thing here. You know, well, uh, the brand, the image of a player is going to be vital in that because it's more than just scoring baskets. It's how you conduct yourself. It would seem in the future,
5: don't you think? Exactly. That's you know, you think about any business, their brand, how they represent themselves. So now, as an individual, you are a brand, especially if you have a name. Especially if, even if you're not even playing you know, men's basketball or football you still have a little bit of a you, – you have a reputation, and you have opportunities to use that sport, use that platform for a lot of good. And the athletes that are able to, to see that, okay, what can I do with this? How can I bring value to maybe it's running a camp? Maybe it's it's promoting a local business? Those individuals are, are really, I think, going to do well. And also for coaches, as they're recruiting players, okay, they want to really maybe even more so look to the character of an individual. Because if I have a bunch of guys or girls that are um, all about themselves, then that could be more difficult to manage. But uh, so I think it just it ups the ante and it raises the stakes, and I think that's a good thing for for young people to learn earlier, um, able to make mistakes, able to learn from that. Uh, the best educator, this is higher education. I'm you know I'm for it all all around.
3: Uh, the G League. Now I got to be careful what I say about the G League because my son Travis was. Uh... Was ran the sports uh, thing in in uh, Boise, <laughs> so uh, I don't okay. want to run them down. But I see now they've got about four players on this special G League team that's going to be uh, playing next year, if there is basketball next year. What's your take about the option of going to the G League as opposed to college?
5: You know that's a that's a great question. If I'm a young person. Forget whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether a musician, whether an artist, and I'm 18 years old and I can get paid, like Jaden Green, a half a million dollars and also be able to earn other um, contracts endorsements from that. I don't know how you turn that down. And I know every player is not gonna get 500,000, but there's gonna be a, a handful of players every year that that's gonna be very alluring. Uh, would that be, would it be wrong or bad for him to go to college and forego that for a year or so? I don't think so. You look at a, a Zion Williamson and the, the stage that he was on, and in the long run, he's probably uh, was better off going to Duke or a Trey Young and what he accomplished at Oklahoma and the, the platform that he had stepping into the NBA. But I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing. You know, I have a I, I spoke with a head coach from a G League team just a few days ago, and he just emphasized their um, focus on development is at a premium, especially in the G League. And he said that that league's really improved. And he mentioned now he's coaching first round draft picks every year now, where the G League, I think, uh, has improved a lot. There was a stigma when it first began. And I think they're doing a much better job of promoting that league, it being a professional league. Uh, they're compensating players more. So um, I think it's, it's, you know, in my eyes, that's a pretty good option for some kids. Again, it's not going to be everyone. But I think every year there's going to be a few kids that to be able to earn money right away, to get NBA level coaching, workouts, playing against pros, and practice every day. Uh, not to say it's a better option than, than college, but for some kids, man, I think it's it's uh, it's a good thing. I think it's good when players have options. I know it's not what we've known all these years, but I tend to think it's a good thing.
1: Another couple of minutes with uh, Trent Meacham. Along those same lines, your thoughts on Kofi and Io? They're still in the NBA draft. They have until June 3rd, at least until they have to either stay in or pull out. You can make a case both ways for what might happen with them. Have you let yourself daydream a little bit as an Illini fan about the possibility of perhaps having both of those guys back? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's still out there in the realm of possibility.
5: Wow, yeah, that that, that would be pretty exciting for a Illini fans. I, I'd say first and foremost, I'm it's exciting as a lot of thing to have guys in this in this conversation that right, right. have the ability to at least even kind of have the NBA radar and have some some hype around that. So, and most importantly, I hope each of them as individuals, you know, have successful professional careers. Whether that's next season, whether that's in uh, another year or two years, um, very much first and foremost about them doing well as individuals, representing Illinois having success, you know, you have an, a limited opportunity as, as, a young, as an athlete, you know, it's a short time span that you can uh, cash out and live that dream. And you want to, you want anybody to take advantage of that. So um, I personally think I was going to stay in it and Kofi will come back. Uh, wouldn't be shocked by anything. And if they were to both come back, I mean, wow, we would, uh, I would think we would be big 10 favorites heading into the season and you uh, you know, legitimate, I think, Final Four contender. Uh, So that would be be very exciting. They're both such unique players. Um, And because of their uniqueness, I think NBA has a hard time evaluating them. Where do they fit in? Io's just, he moves differently. I've said this before. You know, he's not an above-the-rim finisher at all, but he's he's a great athlete. He takes these long strides. He's proven to be an ultra-competitor and winner. And then Kofi doesn't really fit the trend of the modern day NBA, but he is so imposing with his physicality and his athleticism and that potential that he, he's gotta be enticing for NBA scouts. But, uh, you know, as I said, I think I always say Sophie will come back, but it'll be, it's fun to, to kind of follow and talk about, and it's fun to have a program here that's uh, producing these this type of talent.
3: I want to just one question about transfers. You're, you you transferred from Dayton back to the University of Illinois. I thought that was understandable. You were coming back to your hometown and all that. But there are over 800 transfers this year. It's over 700 last year. Over 700. Uh, the, uh, actually, the last three years are roughly 700. What's your take on loyalty? Let's just say let's put it what it is. I mean, the, the guys just are anxious. Seem like they're anxious to leave. What's your, what's your feeling?
6: That's a, that's a great question. I
5: think there's loyalty both ways. You know, uh, there's many, many times players are forced out. Well, that's <laughs> so that's, that's a reality. Um, there's also, I think, that most of the time people are looking for greener grass, and, and um, typically that's not going to be beneficial for that individual. Um, I also happen to be someone who thinks that for most players to stay at the level they're at, even if it's a lower level, so to speak, D2, low major, they're going to do better and actually um, put themselves in a position to play professionally better, staying where they're at, where they can be the guy, have the ball in their hands, have responsibility. Look, the NBA is going to find you, or top professional leagues are going to find you wherever you're at. And so I think most guys will benefit uh, personally by staying where they're put. But um, at the same time, I'm all for giving guys options and, uh, and allowing people to have some freedom with that, You know, no other student is restricted in any way. Why should we restrict athletes, you know? Um, So I'm I'm all for allowing, giving them those opportunities. And it's the landscape of college basketball has changed a lot. I mean, you have to, as coaches, they have to be willing to uh, overhaul the roster annually. And it's not so much we have this recruiting class and we know they're gonna be here for three, four years. Uh, So it's really changed. It's a different game. Um, there's it's not all good. There's some, there's some bad, bad in that. I would, I would think that most of those transfers would be better off staying put. But um, I think it's a good thing. It's really with the way the, this, uh, the college game is with the amount of money involved. I don't know how you restrict that.
3: Yeah, I don't know how you restrict it either. But you know what? There's an interesting stat, and I don't know if I'm getting this exactly right. Only two players who transferred up, who transferred up, averaged over 12 points a game last year in the NCAA. Imagine that, just two. Most players who transfer up don't get as much playing time and don't score as many points as they did when they were uh, at a lesser level. That's just a statistic, and I don't know what that That means, but but, but I think a lot of guys want to go up, and then it's hard to do.
5: Well, thanks for throwing that out there, Lorne, because that's validating what I said, and I didn't know that. But I just think if if guys are about – I want to get to the next level. Most of the time it's going to be best staying put. Maybe you're not practicing against the the same caliber of a player that you would be at a Big Ten school and you're at a Missouri Valley school, for example. But the best developer in my eyes is having responsibility, is having the opportunity to play through mistakes. And most guys are not going to get that at a high major school. You're not going to be able to have five, six turnovers, take 15 shots a game. But if you can do that at whatever level you're at, Typically, that's going to be your best developer. And I think even, you know, uh, most even thinking of development is what, if, if guys want to think about selfishly, how can I become the, a pro, become the best pro, I think they have to look at how can I best develop. And most of the time for a young person, if they have an opportunity to go to the NBA, now looking at that, it's going to be, they're going to develop um, better in the NBA. They're going to have more resources to, for them. and and the coaching and just full-time focus on that. But the one area where I'd say guys can really benefit from going back to school is if they have that responsibility, that focus on them, they can be the go-to guy. So I'm thinking of like Pokey Coburn coming back. He's going to be the go-to guy, be the focal point. And that would be such a uh, important thing for him
7: developing in, in my eyes.
1: One final thing. I'll give you an opportunity for a little free advertising you're doing a podcast these days. Tell us, the folks, uh, how often you're doing that and where they can find it.
5: Thanks for, thanks for allowing me to plug that. Yeah, it's called Greater Than a Game and something that my wife, Teresa, and I have been doing. You know, She uh, played college and professional basketball for a season and, and uh, comes from an athlete of families and just had a very uh, a unique upbringing. So this is all about us uh, sharing our stories, talking about ways that we can uh, use athletics to... And apply them to life. There's so many life lessons, you know, uh, opportunities in there in sports. Okay. So it's her and I having conversations, uh, other conversations with former teammates of mine. I actually just had Nate Stillhouse on. So, uh, that was great to catch up with a good friend, former alumni. And yeah, greater than a game. It's anywhere you find podcasts, you know, iTunes, Spotify. And it's been a, a fun project for us. You know, now I'm asking the questions when I have guests on, on the show. So, um, it's just a good, uh, way for us to uh, hopefully get a a positive message, you know, in the world of sports, how can we use sports to develop as people to impact uh, those around around us?
1: Good stuff, Trent. Appreciate your time as always. Good to talk to you.
5: Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys uh, take care. All the best. Thanks, Trent.
1: Trent, meet you with us at 934 here on I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out. Be back with more. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I'm Saturday sports talk. Nine thirty six is the time. We do have the phone lines open. We have an open line segment coming up at about nine forty five this morning. Uh, And I just accidentally disconnected our next guest. If you want to give him give him a call back. I'm trying to uh, chew gum and walk at the same time. Run the controls and uh, talk. And I Mark Tupper is going to be our guest. I let him go before he made his appearance. (laughs) By the way, Uh the. uh, The uh, free Illini um, face coverings that we told you about at the BFL building getting underway at noon if you'd like to jump out there and and, uh, drive through there. They're asking that cars get her South 4th Street from Windsor Road, and um, they've got 1,500 of them. Actually, a little less than that now because Ken Brown stopped by here earlier this morning. But um, these are not masks. These are the ones you put over your head then pull up I think uh, they called them gators in uh, some circles. Okay. But I had to show Lauren how it worked. I got mine. How it worked, but uh, he's got it now. Just uh, welcome our friend Mark Tepper to the line. Mark, uh, sorry about uh, letting you go before we even had you on, but good morning to you.
8: Good morning, boys. Well, that was uh, the Reverend Bond uh, at the controls, and he fumbled, uh, I believe, at the, at the two-yard line.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he was trying to take credit for that, but it was actually totally my fault. Uh, so we can't can't blame him on right. that one. But uh, how are okay. you getting along these days?
8: Oh, fine. Just you know, laying low out here on the farm, and just uh, you know, it, it, it's I'm bored, but uh, <laughs> there's enough going on. I've mowed my yard about fifteen times, and uh, and. Uh, just doing projects and stuff, and reading a little bit, and and uh, waiting for the five o'clock happy hour to arrive.
1: <laughs> what have you learned?
3: But, but you know, he he likes to go from from one bar to another. He's a bar hopper, so he just puts a a beer in each room and walks around. <laughs>
8: Isn't that right, up Well, now that the weather's warmed up, I can can get out on the deck. So that <laughs> that has improved the ambiance a little bit. Well, sure. if you're on a,
1: if you're on a farm, you can you know, set them all around the farm. You just uh, have them out there for when you mow. You can just have a little stop here, and a little stop there for a refreshment.
8: I'll think about that.
1: <laughs> what have you learned through all this stuff? Anything?
8: You know, um, <clears throat> I just learned how much I miss things I took for granted. And um, and that's seeing people. And um, I, I think the thing from a sports perspective is that everything's been yanked away from us. And <clears throat> still the one that bothers me the most was the inability to see the conclusion of the Illinois men's basketball season. I I was just so into that team and really appreciated the, um, the way they were developing and improving and and the entertainment that they brought every game. I mean, it was really fun to watch them play and I think they were going to be a really tough out along the way. And then just to never have a chance to see that happen was so disappointing. And I still, think about that quite a bit because i just think that i think there was a chance there for something special to happen and and we'll never know
3: any thoughts on io and kofi uh, would kofi come back and io go do you think that
8: seems to be the the trend i mean io just seems so determined to do it and um and yet io's got a smart um support group around him you know i really admire the way his parents have helped him make decisions and 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 um, they're not, you know, money hungry um, uh, to push him out into something. You know, he may be hungry to get there, and they may believe completely in his ability to do it, and, and I'm not saying any of that's wrong. Um, but, you know, you, you, it's a little bit of a nervous proposition when you when your name's not showing up in the mock drafts in the two rounds, and and that doesn't mean that he couldn't do it. And uh, uh, I'd love to see him return for another year at Kofi i don't know kofi's so unique physically just he's a hard one to kind of get a handle on um i hope he would come back i think he'd benefit by coming back um boy that would be fun you know really at the start i keep going back to the start of the season and and um you know when brad took this job it was it was a big job bigger than i really realized at the time i think because there were so many switches that needed to be flipped you know they They needed to somehow return to some national relevance, which meant that they needed to somehow get back in the top 25. They needed to be mentioned in contention for a big 10 title. And then, and then they needed to be back in the NCAA tournament and they needed to reignite the NBA pipeline. And then they needed to be on the recruiting front in the involved with multiple, you know, at least four star recruits and um, get that in-state thing flowing again. and, And we would see, an increased buzz in the crowds at the State Farm Center, and just this overall feeling where everybody knew that they had turned a corner. And, and Brad and his staff, Brad Orlando Chin and Stephen and Fletch, flipped every one of those switches this season, and and that was so much fun to watch. And 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 now we feel like, you know, no matter what happens here in terms of a time frame, which we don't know, and all that stuff, that that something good's going to happen here. They They've just got control of it now, and um, that's the best feeling in the world, and and uh, that's what we all wanted from Illinois basketball. And by golly, I think we have got it.
3: Yeah, I think the the relevance is there that you point out, and I think people are aware of it now. And the the feeling, uh, the recruiting thing. Each each assistant coach was responsible directly for one of the key guys they brought in, including, as you mentioned, Stephen brought uh, Luke Woody, uh, Luke Goody, coming in. And, uh, that's good to see the balance there and to see that each guy's contributing. And, and, uh, I think that there's a new, uh, feeling about Illinois basketball in terms of where they go from this point, because they're on right now in on some exceptional athletes, not that they've got them yet, but they're, they're still in, in the works for some really top people. And I don't think that was the case in, in recent years. We were, we're too far down the line in recruiting in recent years until now.
8: That's exactly right. I I agree with you. And, uh... And then you know we didn't mention. I know you mentioned it with Fletch, but the two transfers that sat out this past season and and are developing. Um, you know I'm excited to see them as well. And 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 the other other thing I like about this staff is I think we are now seeing genuine player growth, player development, player improvement. Um, I think Stephen Gentry's a really good teacher, and uh, we're seeing how they they work with people. Obviously Orlando's done some really good things working with the big men and. And so I've just I've just got such a great feeling about Illinois basketball, except the part that I don't get to watch it now. I mean, we all got robbed of the, you know, like we watched this uh, great Netflix series until the final three episodes. And they said, oh, by the way, we're not going to show those to you. (laughs) Well,
3: well, Tup, I'm going to switch you over to football because that's the next sport that we might have. We I say might have. Do you see football without fans? Do you see that as a possibility at the college level?
8: I don't, I don't want to see it. I hope I don't see it. I think, I think maybe we're looking at football after the first of the year. I don't know. You know, the, the narrative kind of changes dramatically, you know, and, and the thing that would really change it in a hurry is if there was some breakthrough on the medical front in terms of, a, of an inoculation, a vaccine um, that would change it immediately. But um um, it just doesn't sound like that's going to get here as fast as we would all like for it to. And, and um, I can't see it. I, I you know, um, if the athletic and I know the athletic directors are talking about it all the time. And, and uh, what about this? What about that? There's not, not one of these um, answers that's going to satisfy everybody, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if we didn't, if we didn't have college football until, Um, We get maybe past the first of the year sometime. I think, you know, the thing that we all got to understand is we're not going to have college football until we have college and we don't have college. And so, uh, and the, 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 the person we're looking to for that answer isn't Josh, it's probably the governor. And so when he decides he's kind of calling the shots on what kind of crowds can gather and what kind of, you know, how this is all going to come back into focus. And, and so first and foremost, there's going to have to be students on campus. What's well, up, there might
3: be Asian. students on campus in, in all those SEC schools, at least up to Vanderbilt, but you know that they're going to try to have football down in the SEC. Could you see a situation where you would have football in some areas and not in others? Wow. You
8: know, I don't know. That, that's a tough one too, Lauren. Um, I don't know. I, I If you if you could get a way to have everyone involved in, in – you know it would be easier for them to do it if we started in february than it would be for minnesota and wisconsin and michigan to do it if we started in february given the weather but um i would certainly hope we could find a solution where we'd have all the conferences playing at the same time even if it's an abbreviated schedule um and 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 that's going to be a problem too if if it's an abbreviated schedule because you're not going to want to give up conference games and it's going to kill these schools that get guarantees for these non-conference games and some and some of the some schools, their better games are non-conference games. I mean, Army-Navy is a non-conference game. You know, if you start talking about that, um, so the, the, there's no easy answers to any of this stuff. And and then and then at what point does um, college basketball kick in? And what point does you know? I, you mentioned Iowa and Kofi. You know, boy, I feel bad for those guys. They don't know what the heck's going on. When's the when's the draft? When's the um, declaration date to to pull back? going to change there's a lot of things there those kids have to consider
1: that's a long time sports writer for the decade and, and or Herald. You, go ahead
8: and if you and if you if you do football in the spring or in the if you started it in february i don't know whenever how many of those kids are the seniors in particular are going to say well i'm not going to do that right leading into the draft you know it's that i'm going to i'm going to preserve my health you know so there's a lot of things there
3: no perfect answer, Tup. There's no perfect. No, no, right now we're just looking at a lot of different
8: options. <laughs> hey,
1: That's Tup, right. good to visit with you as always, and uh, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you at some point here in the next few months.
8: Maybe I'll drive over and we'll wave through the windows of our cars. <laughs>
1: drive <laughs> over and let's play golf. All right,
8: good. To, good to talk to you, boys. Hey, you bet. Thanks, Tup.
1: Mark Tupper from the uh, Decatur Herald and Review. It is nine forty-eight on a Saturday Sports Talk. Time for a few minutes of open line coming up after this timeout. Stay with us. 9.51 on Ipello Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. Thanks to Adam Fletcher, Trent Meacham, and Mark Tupper, our first hour guests. We've got David Schuster and Paul Klee scheduled in the second hour with a couple of built-in opportunities for open lines as well. One of those is right now, and Alan is on the line with us. Go ahead, Alan.
9: Morning guys, uh too bad we couldn't have football or football. Well we could have if it was spring football. Uh too bad we couldn't have baseball at the line field today, way today's shaping up. Oh boy,
1: nice day. <laughs> Beautiful day.
9: Yeah. <clears throat> uh my comment is since uh, we don't have any sports anywhere in the blue league or anything like that right now, and it possibly could carry into ball, grade school and high school. The only way I see us having any sports this year is if they can come up with a way for kids and their parents to sign a waiver. And I was wondering if you could bring on Steve Beckett or somebody like that to say how good those waivers could be in the area of law or litigation and that. And I think this could carry into even the college. I think the only way we're going to have college ball this year is if we have some kind of waiver because right now lawsuits is more of a damage than the actual disease itself
3: well the thing about it is right now it's pretty i think it's pretty obvious if they have students you might have football if you don't have students you're not going to have anything i mean that's they've all decided that that this is almost like a unanimous decision among all the leaders the president now some of the presidents are coming out and making statements like, well, we're going to be back in the fall. Of course they're going to make – they're planning to be back in the fall, but you plan to come back in the fall until you can't, and we'll know that around the 1st of July, I would think.
9: Okay, if they happen to do have uh, football and they let fans come in, are they going to have to have something on their tickets that says they're not liable in case you happen to catch it from – they can prove it somehow. They have to prove it. Got it? Then yeah, I'm not sure how they would prove game. that.
3: I don't think there'll be anything be illegal. Hard, like I just think it'll be a decision made by higher ups, starting with the governor, and working down through the presidents and and the people that run these various colleges. It's it's going to be a decision that we can talk all we want to today, but we don't know a thing about what's going to be the situation one month from now or two months from now, and two months from now is the deadline basically for starting football at the time it's scheduled. Now, it could be, as we're talking here, it could be pushed back to later, but they need to know July the 1st, what they intend to do August the 1st.
1: Regarding getting students back. That's, right. That, I mean, that's the, the main thing. No the students, thing. no play. Right.
9: Well, in high school and grade school, they're going to have to do something different than that. That's going to have to be some you know, from the schools themselves. But I think that's the only way they're gonna be able to play football this in high school or anything like that in the fall sports is they're gonna to have to sign waivers. I have to have signed waivers uh with the students and their parents.
3: Well I never I haven't Number heard that that's the first time I heard that, but that's maybe a possibility. I don't know. I I hadn't heard about anything about waivers. I just think it'll be a, well, a, a hand me down decision from the top that'll say, Okay, we can do it under these conditions.
1: Don't you this has been a long time since I played high school sports or had a child that played high school sports. Don't you sign a waiver anyway when you go out for sports that some kind of general thing? I don't know.
3: We but, didn't have them when I well, played. There Me
9: <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Steve. There, there used to be something like that, but I think they've kind of gotten away from that. Yeah. Unless there's uh, special circumstances, and this is obviously a special circumstance.
3: Well, you gave us... Uh, it's one good idea. We, we should have Steve Beckett on here to just explain things to us. Sure. That's always
9: good. Yeah, I just I just wonder how strong a waiver could actually be in the court of law. Okay. If, even if he did sign one.
1: Yep. Good stuff, Alan. Thanks. Yep. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to jump in here before the uh, top of the hour. So what's the most likely, other than professional golf, they've got some events on the schedule and I think that's be pretty easy to pull off without fans but June
3: 11 that's just five six weeks yeah five weeks
1: besides that what's the most likely sport to come back first you think baseball's got a shot at, at doing this without fans playing yeah in three divisions like we talked about yes. last week Yes, and playing in your home fields. And I think regionally. definitely
3: baseball's got the best chance.
1: I would watch it <laughs> I'm, because I, of television. I mean, it, I'm it, anxious to watch some baseball. so
3: it'd be so much. It's, it'd be watched by so many people that television stations would make money. The advertisers would be back in the business. It would it would definitely be the first one, and it, you just have an, what you'd have is some kind of an abbreviated season. Then you have playoffs.
1: They were talking about if they started in late june early july they were talking about still being able to get a 100 game schedule in they would have to place some double headers do some things like that but when you think about it, it's only 62 games shy of a we're
3: already season. into may though and and you're going to have to you know it's going to take them at least a month to get ready isn't it i mean can you get ready in three weeks and four weeks
1: three maybe i don't know 956 gary you're on the air with us go ahead Yeah, hi. I turned in
10: in a little late. I didn't know if guys talked about uh, uh, the athletes that are going to be eligible to be, you know, getting paid for endorsements Mm -hmm. at
1: all. Yeah, we did a little bit. But what's your question?
10: Uh, Well, I was curious whether or not if one athlete can give money to another athlete.
1: Oh, no. Well,
3: I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you why would an athlete want to give money to another athlete?
10: Well, say, for instance, you got – I mean, most of the time the people that are going to get the big names I and mean, endorsements are the people that are, like, scoring points. In other words, running backs or whatever. Yeah. This guy's. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, dependent on his offensive linemen. You know, oh, okay. offensive linemen are going, geez, this guy's getting a ton of money. And not, yeah, that's a good point. Nothing. I don't know what you the know, rules do, are. Uh, you know, that's that's give, one of those – that's, that's uh, one of about I 100 different
3: things line they're line. going to consider when they start setting down to – they've got another – they got till January, don't they, Steve, to to make the, the the final decisions on this, and they're going to be going over all these questions like that, and I certainly can't answer it because they're in the process of of determining those things now. They've got you know six seven months to do that to figure it out.
10: Right. Okay. Well, I just figured, and and I, I didn't know whether or not you know somebody goes, hey, I'm going to buy you, a, you know. That's I'm, good I'm it's a good point. That's a really good record. point. Yeah, I,
3: I could see a, a quarterback doing that for his uh, lineman.
10: Yeah. Okay, I just that's I, I didn't know whether or not if it was if it was even legal right now for somebody you know if one guy was going ah this guy doesn't have very much money but I you know I got you know maybe I got a scholarship but you know my parents got you know money I can I can buy this guy something this or that but anyway I was just curious
3: yeah well, okay, Gary. good Gary it's a good question and one
1: of the right, things thanks.
3: that I'm sure
10: they'll study
1: appreciate the call let's go to uh, Mike what do you say Mike
11: I'm good how are you guys. Okay. He just uh, changed the subject a little bit, but still on football, on high school football, if there's season. Did you see that in week seven, Unity High School is going 450 miles one way to play a high school game? Did not notice that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's a town called Pierce City, Missouri. It's, all, it's only an hour away from Tulsa, Oklahoma.
3: Oh, my gosh.
11: That's, That's a, a long well, I, way for football game.
3: I would say that those type of things will be ending, and particularly at the college level where you're not going to have the travel. I've ne- it never made sense to me to play somebody uh, far away when you've got Illinois State close, you got Eastern Illinois close, you could play teams within the state at, 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 in non-conference games I'm talking about in any sport. Why travel so far? Well,
11: I agree with you on that. I don't know why Illinois doesn't play Eastern in basketball more often or softball. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, but Mike. I, I was just, you know, that was interesting. That's a long way to go for for a high school football game. That's yep.
1: a major league road trip. It certainly is. Thanks for the call, Mike. Yeah, we is. we appreciate that. We're hitting uh, ten o'clock. WDWs, Champaign, Urbana. First hour is in the books. Our schedule in the second hour. David Schuster coming up after our break here. Then we'll have an open line session from uh, ten fifteen to ten thirty. Paul Klee at 10.30, another open line time at 10.45. Stay with us here on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.
0: It's the second hour of line I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Heading towards 11 o'clock here on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. 66 degrees and sunshine in central Illinois this morning. Leading off, batting first in our lineup for our number two is our friend David Schuster, who has been covering sports on the radio in Chicago for many, many years. Decades, in fact. Good morning, David. How are you?
12: Well, uh, after hearing that I've been doing this for decades, let me move my walker to the side. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm doing just fine, guys. Uh, Beautiful day. There should be baseball out today, but whatever. Hopefully one of these days. Well,
1: you're uh, you're on the air with a couple of guys that have been doing it for decades, maybe a decade or two longer (laughs) than you. So you're the young guy out here. But I talked to you earlier in the week, I wanted to talk to you about several things. I started out by talking about the, the last dance, but I want to talk about the, the current Bulls situation a little bit uh, right now. They have a new general manager, a new director of operations. Uh, what do you think about those two hires, and, uh, and what's next as far as the coach goes, perhaps?
12: Well, I think there will be a coaching change. I just don't see how Jim Boylan survives. Um, Jim Boylan is a really nice guy, but I, I just – you know, with everything else changing, I don't see how he survives, what's going on. And if you just go by record alone, I mean, a, a winning percentage of what, 315 doesn't really cut it. And, you know, there's been a lot of peculiarities about his coaching on top of everything else. So I think that's an eventuality that'll happen. as far as Artur Karnishev is taking over, listen, the man's got a great track record. He just does. And he's got a great personality and he's well connected throughout the entire NBA so this is a change that was a long, long, long time in the coming. Nothing against uh, John Paxton and Gar Foreman. You know, they're. Uh, I, I know John Paxton extremely well. He's a really nice guy, and he really wanted to win for the city of Chicago, the franchise, the ownership, what have you. It just didn't happen. There was a lot of bad breaks, unfortunately, Derek Rose's injury being the number one break, pun intended. But uh, um, it just didn't work, so they had to make a change and, you know, out with the old and in with the new, so to speak.
1: And uh, the new general manager, Mark Eversley, what do you know about him?
12: I really don't know too much about him, but if you take a look at his track record, I mean, we had a chance to talk with him yesterday, and he seems certainly very personable, of course. His background is pretty interesting in itself. I mean, he worked for Nike for a long time, so he's got uh, connections with a lot of agents, uh, certainly a lot of the players. Um, he, he's, he, he knows a lot of the scouts around the NBA, You know, he's been a little bit in the background in in a lot of uh, other places uh, that he's been. I mean, he's coming from Philadelphia, obviously. Uh, He started moving himself up the totem pole there. Um, It's just really interesting how the Bulls' front office has really changed. It used to be pretty much John Paxson, Gar Foreman, and a couple of scouts. Now they're really, it's almost like... Burgeoning, if you will, you know, in in the front office, they they have a guy who's just going to be a cap specialist. They're going to have a guy who's a player personnel director. They're going to have a guy who's a general manager. There's a head of operations, which will be Carnicchia's, and they're going to hire a lot more scouts, also. So it's it's just a really different complexion of the Bulls front office, and honestly, it's just getting into you know the current times in the NBA. That's just the way it is nowadays.
3: David, can you tell us a little bit about Adrian Griffin and his uh, possibilities? He's a a Toronto, of course, and his son played for the Illini before transferring to Syracuse uh, this summer. Uh, What's your take on Adrian Griffin?
12: I almost think it's an eventuality that he will be the Bulls' next head coach for, for a litany of reasons. First of all, he used to be here in Chicago as an assistant coach, so he certainly knows the landscape here, number one. He's moved his way up the totem pole in the coaching ranks coming from Toronto. He's, he's well connected um, with both Eversley and Karnishevis, you know, working with them in whatever capacity he did in the past. So, I mean, it sure looks like it's laid out, Lauren, for him to be the Bulls next head coach. You know, he's an African American for, you know, and I that's not the reason to hire him as head coach, but you know, that, that, that means something to a lot of people. So I just think, that it almost seems like an eventuality, and he's a really nice guy. I mean, I remember Adrian Griffin a lot from his time here in Chicago previously. So, you know, I I don't have any inside information that he will be the Bulls' next head coach, but it sure looks like, you know, all the breadcrumbs are on the ground leading to that conclusion.
3: Well, David, I want to bring up your own situation. I just saw yesterday where Bernie, Bernie Miklas down in St. Louis was let go by an FM station. There couldn't be a better, stronger guy than Bernie, and I'm looking around the country and left and right and left and right. I mean, uh, we're losing top people. And, and tell us about your own situation.
12: Well, honestly, uh, I'm a sports reporter. And there is no sports. So um, I sort of ch- got chopped on the guillotine, if you will, about uh, about a month ago now. Um, you know, I worked at, at the score for almost 20 years. I've been doing this for almost 40 years, maybe even a little over 40 years. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, you know, the, it's, it's hard economic times. I'm not going to blame anybody. Uh, again, I cover sports. I've been doing it forever and ever, but there is no sports. So if they're going to make cuts, and I understand it's it's a corporate world, Lauren, you know, I'm, I'm sure both you and Steve know that, and you you probably faced this at, at some juncture, maybe even yourselves during your long, illustrious careers. So it, it, it is what it is, and if sports comes back, knock on wood, you know I'll be able to get back into the saddle in some capacity somewhere. but in the meantime, I'm lucky enough to still do stuff like this with you guys, and I'm very fortunate. Well the,
3: the tough thing is you know Steve and, and, and David, it's it, advertising is the only way that uh, radio stations can make money and if, if the advertisers can't advertise, I mean there's right. just no there's no answer to that at, at this time. it is really tough. But uh, but uh, you do such a tremendous job, David. I, I'm I'm not worried about you. But I just thought that people would be interested to know. I mean, it and and this is is widespread. I mean, you're just one of. I'm going to mm-hmm. say not just dozens. It may be hundreds. We just saw twenty people laid off with Bernie in St. Louis. Yeah, with the the station cluster there. Yeah, yes. five five or six stations. Yeah.
12: Yeah, and you know, there was another um, uh, cluster of stations up here in Chicago that let go of some very popular people yesterday, and and you're 100% correct, Lauren, I mean, it's all advertising-driven. I mean, the station that I was on up until a month ago, you know, they have play-by-play of a couple very popular franchises, you know, the basketball team in Chicago and the Cubs, you know, and there's no baseball right now, and that's a lot of advertising revenue that is not streaming in, pun intended, right now. So, Again, I get it. Um, unfortunately, I do get it. And, and listen, if, 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 if I don't even get a full-time job anymore, I've done this long enough and I've saved my rubles or whatever you want to call it over all the years. So I'm okay. I, I prefer not to go out that way. But if, that's an, if a virus ends my career, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's a weird ending to a chapter of a book, but that's just the way it might be potentially.
1: Visiting with David Schuster in Chicago. Speaking of sports coming back, Who's going to be back first? you think baseball's got a shot?
12: You know what? I, 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 I see all the proposals. First of all, the thing out in Arizona, there, there was no chance of that ever happening. I don't even know who, who floated that one. That just seems so ridiculous. And then they're going to play in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. That's not – it seems equally as ridiculous. Now the latest one is that they hopefully will get some kind of spring training in, the, in, the, in their uh, cities like Chicago, Cleveland, what have you and then maybe start a season sometime after the 4th of July. Honestly, guys, I, I, I just don't see it. You know, I just got off the phone with somebody else and we had this conversation. You know, in, until, and, and maybe I'm wrong, because this is way out of my domain, but until they have some kind of vaccine against this, I just don't see there being any sports. And, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do. You know, they talk about maybe having testing first and if they have enough testing around Major League Baseball, 15,000 tests or whatever. I, I just can't see it, guys. I, I, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. And this is obviously unprecedented for all of us, everybody, you know, and how, on how to deal with this. But, you know, and then you see the reports yesterday that this could be around for the next two to three years and 70% of the country could be infected, you know, before it's all said and done. So how are you able to see any kind of positive news out of this, much less see any sports, at least team sports? I mean, I know – the PGA is going to try and have some tournaments starting in June and and maybe they're able to do that with no fans and, 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 you know, no clientele even on the course and just literally guys staying six feet apart. I, I, you know, that's at best. I I think that all all you can see, but beyond that, I, I just don't see sports. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. And I hope there's a miracle cure somehow, some way, but I hate to be negative, Nelly. Here, but that's just the way I look at it right now.
3: David, you don't see any chance of baseball with no fans.
12: Well, I could see baseball with no fans, Lauren. I mean, I think that would that that would be the only way of having it. But I mean, what what are you going to do? I mean, the first thing I saw is they're going to have the players won't sit in the dugout. There, would there, be so you know the players would be sitting in the stands all the way you know apart from. Oh each come other. on! So, <laughs> well, that, that, that's what they talked about. So, yeah, they did. Yeah, manager, yeah. I mean, I need a pinch hitter. Well, he's sitting down the left field line. <laughs> he's got a
1: bag of popcorn oh,
0: in
4: his hand. Oh, man.
12: And then, and then how are they, they going to travel? I mean, they're talking about keeping people apart, you know? I, I don't know. This is so weird. This is like a Twilight Zone episode. It really is. Unfortunately, it, it, it's happening. It's, it's, not, it's not make-believe. It's, it's reality, and it's really, really frightening, you know, to be honest with you. It, it, it frightens the, the blank out of me.
1: Another couple of minutes with David Schuster. You covered the Bulls during the Michael Jordan days. Your thoughts on covering Jordan on a day-to-day basis and your thoughts on what you've seen so far of the uh, Jordan documentary, The Last Dance.
12: Well, covering all of his career and and certainly the championship years is the highlight of my career, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been lucky enough to cover 12 championships in Chicago, half of them with the Bulls, the six titles that they won. And I was, you know, just a, a, a minute part of it, just being along for the ride, if you will. But that's the best thing I'll ever hope to be a part of. And he's the best athlete I'll ever hope to be around. I mean, I, there wasn't a game, not not a game, maybe not even a quarter that I didn't go, oh my God, what did I just see from from a basketball player? And I think you both know that I'm a basketball junkie first and foremost. I think, I think the documentary has been fantastic so far. I mean, the access that they've had, Um, there's not too many surprises to me other than maybe some of the, the conversations that have gone on where we were not able to go, you know, where the cameras that had the allowance to do it back in those days was able to go. So that's sort of refreshing. Um, no real surprises otherwise. I mean, I know all the personalities, um, and I think they've done a good job going back and forth, not only that year, of course, 97, 98, but going back to Jordan's, you know, uh, youth and Pippen's youth and his background and Rodman, as weird as he is, and and, and some of the other um, aspects of the past to get it up to that to that current 97-98 season. So I think so far it's been fantastic, and I don't doubt that the last six episodes will be equally as good.
1: Got a question on the uh, phone for David Schuster. Steve, go ahead. You're on the air.
6: John Collins is a consultant to uh, Jerry Reinstorf. Was he involved in any of these decisions or recommendations or anything that you know?
12: It's it's a really good question, Steve. Because yes, he has been a consultant, and and I'm sure he was consultant uh, consulted in regards to who should they bring in as a top person. And so was John Paxson. Honestly, I mean Jerry Reinsdorf does lean on people that he has faith and trust in. Doug Collins being one of them, uh, John Paxson obviously being another one. Um, so, yes, I you know, I can't verify that because I don't have a shot glass up to the wall, you know, to know for 100 percent sure. But I'm pretty confident in saying that since Doug Collins has always been close with Jerry Reinsdorf, that Reinsdorf certainly chewed on his ear to at least get some recommendations before ultimately he and his son hired Karnishavis So in answer to your question, yes, I do believe he was consulted in some capacity. Thank you, Dave. Thank you.
1: Appreciate the call, Steve. Back to the documentary real quick, David. Um, Jerry Krause, is he being portrayed fairly in that?
12: Um, I would say he's being portrayed fairly both negatively and positively. I mean, I'm going to talk positive first because, you know, honestly, Jerry Krause did a lot of things that helped them win championships. Right. They don't win anything, obviously, without Michael Jordan, but come on. He traded Oakley to get Cartwright. He did scout Kukoc along with others to bring him in. They did bring in Dennis Rodman against most people's, you know, um, protest against that. He brought in other players, Bison Deli, Brian the late Brian Williams. He did a lot of things that helped them win championships. So that was the positive about Jerry Krause as a general manager. Unfortunately, Jerry got in in the way of himself a lot with his personality. Um, and, and you know a lot of other things about him, so I think they actually have done a good job. You know the players needled him like no no tomorrow back in the day, and and that all is hundred percent true. And I was pretty close with him back back in the day also. He not, for whatever reason he liked me, so I I, I was semi close with him back in those days. So yes, I do believe he's been portrayed both positively and negatively. In, in the correct fashion
1: well we like you too you're one of our uh, <laughs> our main sources of uh, what's going on in chicago and we appreciate it wish you good luck and hopefully we'll have you on again and we'll we'll have some games or some kind of sporting events to talk about in the future
12: i hope so guys you take care of yourselves. be healthy and safe you too david.
1: david schuster with us spent all those years as he mentioned more than 20 years with the score and other radio stations in the Chicago area. 1017 Open Line segment coming up. If you'd like to jump in, 356 9397. Back after this, Illinois Pedal Saturday Sports Talk. It is moving up on 1020 here on Lanai Pedal Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we are with you until the 11 o'clock hour. Open Line right now, 356 9397. Go back to the phones and say good morning to Eric. Hey, Eric, you're on the air. Hey,
13: good morning, fellas. Uh, uh, Lauren, I, I thought this might be a topic for you to, to talk about. Um, uh, coaches' salaries. Um, I mean, you know, university employees are doing all their work behind the scenes. But if there's no sports, uh, what are they going to be being being paid for? Especially someone like Lovey Smith making the kind of money they're paying him.
3: Well, of course they're recruiting. I mean, they are. They're still work. They're doing what they would normally do this time of year. With which is, uh, you know, after spring ball is over, they would be into the recruiting thing pretty heavily. And if you look in the Big Ten, uh, Steve and I were going to talk about this at, at, at some point. Uh, Illinois has uh, way behind in recruiting in terms of high school. They've got about 13 uh, transfers, if you count everybody, like Navarro from Valparaiso and Eifler, who played last year. He was formerly at Washington. They've got 13 guys on their 85-man roster. I, it may not be 85 right now, but they've got 13 members that were – originally attended school someplace else. But uh, right now he's he's busy in trying to catch up in recruiting. Illinois is last in the Big Ten in terms of high school recruits. Illinois's got one recruit so far in the 2021 class. It's, that's not the ones enrolling this fall. That's a, a year from now. But for instance, Iowa's got 13, uh, Ohio State 17, Minnesota 14. I mean, um, some of these schools are are way over halfway toward filling their numbers uh, of possible 25.
1: Who's next to last, and what's the number?
3: Five. Uh, okay. Five by Northwestern, five by Indiana, five by Nebraska. Okay. So that's the, gotcha. those. But Illinois has got one, uh, you know, they got the quarterback uh, from uh, DeSoto, Texas. Uh, his name is Samari uh, Collier, and that's the only player. Now, they've probably got promises. they probably got... Ideas. They're they're recruiting a a, a bunch of people. Understand one thing. Illinois did not recruit anybody from the state of Illinois last year. For the class that's coming in this fall, they have no scholarship players from the state of Illinois. I don't think they've added anybody in the last week or so that I don't know about. But the top players uh, for the following year, uh, the top player, McCarthy, uh, the quarterback um, from uh, up in the Chicago area, is uh he's from uh, lagrange park by the way he's going to michigan the top linebackers going to northwestern the top offensive lineman's going to iowa i mean already um minnesota's got four of the top 17 players already out of the state so illinois's falling way behind in this recruiting And but that's you ask what coaches are doing that's what they're supposed to be doing is bringing in recruits
13: right now okay well, I- I just thought because I heard he was down in uh, Levy was down in uh, Scottsdale, so I didn't know what was what was going on with that. But yeah, I
3: don't. All right, well, I good. don't know that, but they're, they're, they better bring, start bringing in some high school players. That's you, yeah. you. You can only go so far with transfers, and some of the transfers you get aren't going to make it.
1: And others are going to be sitting out this year. There's a handful. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
3: but uh, you know, even right. if and, and the freshmen would be sitting out too. probably yeah most of them. But anything else? By the by the no, way, no, no, I, I see some uh, some schools like I think, uh, correct me, Steve, Iowa State. There's some schools that are are, are calling for uh, fifteen twenty percent mm-hmm. cuts in coaches' salaries. Okay. I have not seen Whitman do that. Have you?
1: No, I've not, and I've I've seen a couple of other schools do it. But Iowa State, I think, was ahead of the curve, pardon the pun there, but ahead of the curve on that. They did that about a month ago.
13: Mm-hmm. Anything else, Eric? Well, thank you. So one last thing I wanted to ask was I saw um, Yahoo Sports talked about the Iowa president was saying that June 1st that the football can start practicing in Iowa because that's, I guess, when the NCAA edict ends on the end of May. So I just thought that was a little bit uh, unfair that they're going to start talking about practicing and nobody else really can. Well,
3: everybody plans to practice until they come to the time when they can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but
1: you couldn't practice June 1st anyway. No. Well, you, could, you could resume – normal football activities of whatever that normal might be at that time of year.
3: Well, they need to start normal football activities July the 1st. Right. That would give them a month before the uh, August 1 reporting What I'm saying time. is
1: normally on June 1st, they're not doing football activities other than guys working out on yeah. their own and having contact with and the coach. And the seven on coaches. seven. Yes. On their own. Right.
3: Yeah.
6: Right. All right, guys. Well, thank you
13: for the show.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you calling. All right. 3569397 is the number 1025 is the time Paul Clee coming up at 10:30 open line before then and then after that as well In other news golfers around the state of Illinois were happy yesterday to be able to get back on the golf courses and what a perfect day of weather and we've got that uh, situation again today a lot of folks out some restrictions there and from the people that I've talked to in the last uh, 24 hours, it seemed to go pretty well.
3: Okay, I, I, you say it seemed to go pretty well, but playing in twosomes um, for, for a group like you play with, I would think that'd be a, you know, take a lot of the fun out of it. Not it does. It, you know, you can't have, you know, <laughs> if, if you've got 16 players, for example.
1: Cuts down the trash talk. But <laughs> Well, yeah, and let's and,
3: and say that, when the first group is over and the last group is, is an hour and a half away,
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't do uh, you can't do a lot of the things you would normally do. The group I play with is usually sixteen to twenty guys. Well, yeah. going out in twosomes, you can't book that many tee times unless you really book it out in the future. You can't book that many tee times consecutive on one course. So what well, we did uh, yesterday, we had we had eight tee times or four tee times on each on course. Each. Okay, so you had the eight, and the eight blue. players on each. Yes yeah, exactly yeah. and those guys if they want to play any kind of goofy game they play that you can do it with the guys that are playing on your same course so everything's equal but uh, yesterday walking um, my twosome played in three hours which well, is twosomes
3: ought to move pretty fast which
1: is lovely yeah uh, that's that's fine and that's
3: 15 minutes between so you're not going to bump up
1: yeah and i think if they adjust it or whenever this gets over with it'll go back to normal but if they make any adjustments. I think they might see that four people playing golf can socially distance just as easily as two. Yeah. And if you want to keep the 15-minute tee time, which I think is too long, too, but if you want to keep that and allow foursomes, I think that would work pretty well.
3: I keep saying that when I play with a foursome, I'm never around them after I once hit the ball. Not everybody
1: <laughs> hits it where you do. You hit it That's so right. far. I hit
7: it
3: so <laughs> crooked that i <I'm laughs>
1: <laughs> But I know... At uh, the area courses, the tee books, are, have been, the tee sheets have been full yesterday and today. It'll probably ease up a little bit uh, after the, the first of the week. But uh, in, in it's, uh you play quickly and it's almost, I, I commented with uh, the guy I played with yesterday, it's almost like having your own golf course because in a 15-minute tee time on number one on the orange and or the blue, which are both par fives. Yeah. They're off the green. Off the
3: green before they even tee off. Before huh? you
1: start. Normally in golf, if you're not familiar with golf, you wait till people hit their second shots and, yeah. and move out a little bit, then you hit. But now they're, they've they hit five shots or more. I, I
3: just wait till the guy gets to his ball, then I hit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you yell four? <laughs> no, I don't have to.
3: <laughs> I holler, I holler two.
1: <laughs> a little Rodney Dangerfield uh, yeah. reference to Caddyshack there. 10 yeah. is the time. On Alani Fellow Saturday Sports Talk, we mentioned the alumni uh, free face coverings. Um, if you're interested this morning, that'll get underway at noon at the BFL building on 4th Street. These are bandana style face coverings. They're blue background with a bunch of orange black eyes on there. And there are 1,500 of those that will be given away starting at noon. And you can get in line there uh, whenever, but they're asking you to enter from the south using uh, South 4th Street Extended, entering off Windsor Road and um, you get uh, into that uh, circle drive there, get into that line and they're doing that for as long as they last. That is uh, 1700 South 4th Street while supplies last. Are you uh, making plans to get on the golf course this weekend?
3: i I I'd like to get on, but I don't know how. <laughs> They're all full. They are. They don't need a straggler out there like me. I'm, well, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try to get out. Yes.
1: And there's some things that make that even more difficult because what they they don't want you to play. And part of the reason of the twosome tea times is they don't want. Like in our group, we have 16 guys. They don't want 16 guys waiting around mm-hmm. and congregating there. They want to move people through. Yep. That's why it's tough to be a single right now yep. and go out and just chip and putt because you can't do that either. Yep. The putting green has big yellow crime tape around it, so you can't just go out there and hang around and, and try to get a game. So, But at least it allows maybe, I would guess, Mike Walner could correct me at this uh, on this number at some point. I would guess they got about 100 players through yesterday. On a day like that, normally, if they were book full, it'd be 250 maybe. But but they, they're, they're at least getting back some income. Let's go back to the phones. And uh, J.D. and Matthew, what do you say, J.D.?
7: Doing fine, guys. Hey, I, question for you, and maybe you have covered this, so I apologize if I'm repeating something. But what happens on July 1st if the governors of Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania and Nebraska announce they are open for business, school's going to start, and away we go, and the governor of Indiana or of Illinois decides he's going to wait until August.
3: Really so, good question. Up, what does
7: the Big Ten do?
3: I, I just brought up the thing uh, a while ago. Uh, the possibility really exists in my mind that the SEC could just decide, hey, and the governors down there, mostly Republican, conservative governors. Who would be favorable toward uh, football, of course, assuming this, assuming school can be started, I could see them forming in their and playing their own league and just not even worrying about anybody else. I could see that why not? How many years did we go without na- national championships <laughs> you well, know a long time a long 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 time right i if i'm If I'm at Alabama, I really don't care whether Illinois plays or not, <laughs> you know, I really don't. I mean, I want I want Alabama to play. I want, you know, I want the teams in my conference to play. And you could have your own conference, and and you wouldn't have everybody. That's, that, I just don't know why that wouldn't be possible. Maybe it isn't, but the NCA probably wouldn't want to see that. But I don't know what you'd do if the if the SEC says nobody's going to play football, the SEC says we're going to play. What if the Big Twelve says we're going to play? Good
7: questions. Well, you can't. You can't tell me that the folks in uh, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida you can tell me that somebody's going to say you can't play football this year because Illinois not going to play or Ohio's not going you know they're going to play.
4: Yeah, that's But what about.
7: I'm concerned about is what if part of the Big 10 opens up and part of it doesn't?
3: You got a good one there. I don't know how to answer that. I I I think the conference would make every attempt to make it go one way or the other. It's, it's a pretty strong, if, if, uh, we've got a new commissioner, so I, I don't know how he'd react, but I, I think I know how the Delaney would have reacted in that case. He, he'd insist on an all or nothing, I think.
7: Well, I, and I agree with you, I but it would be, you know, how, how much is Pritzker coordinating? He does what New York and California is going to do, not what Michigan or Minnesota is going to do. I just wonder if those governors would even think of that. Let's coordinate this opening. We're all open for business on July 1st, and away we go, and that includes Big Ten football. I'll bet you they've already got it figured out in the SEC.
1: Right. Hey, J.D., we appreciate your call. Thank you very much. 1032, need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with Paul Klee after this. It is 1036 on Ipella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. It's been a busy couple of hours this morning, thanks to the guests and the phone calls so far. Happy to bring uh, back to the program our friend Paul Clee from uh, the beautiful Colorado Skies. Mr. Clee. how are you?
14: Hey, guys, how are you doing today?
1: We're doing good. What's the weather like out in the Denver area?
14: It's balmy today, Mr. <laughs> Kelly. Balmy. It's probably going to be uh, whew, gonna have a nice 70s and sunshine, followed by some uh, mountain thunderstorms, it looks like. That's my weather report from looking at the sky right now.
1: That sounds similar to what we have but uh, we don't have the mountains. We've got about 70 degrees though here in central Illinois. So are you keeping as busy as you want? Are you as busy as you normally are, busier or how's this uh, pandemic affected what you do on a day-to-day basis?
14: Yeah, it, Steve, it's been surprising. I, when it when it all happened, you know, We're in the middle of a conference basketball tournament, and I was actually, I was in Las Vegas to go out and see the WCC tournament, and then we have the high school tournament here, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be really hard. I'm going to be a sports writer without any sports to write about. And I'll tell you what, aside from working for Jim Rosso over at the News Gazette, this is the busiest I've ever been. (laughs) There's unlimited, there's unlimited subject matter, so we're still trying to pump out three or four columns a week, and. Um, do the best job we can
1: what are some of the things uh, you've written about maybe in the last week or so
14: you know there was one from uh i guess it would have been a couple weeks ago but one of my favorite things i've i've ever gotten to write it was uh, a gentleman named Dwayne clee no no relation and um he played for the denver nuggets in 1949 and 1950 the very first nuggets team lives in Indiana, uh, coached at Indiana State, played for Coach Wooden at Indiana State. Um, just a delightful man. He's 94 <laughs> years old, lives in Terre Haute now. And, um, I, I mean, I could have stayed on the phone for him much longer than the three hours we did hearing his stories about playing with Bob Cousy and different guys. It was tremendous. So you get an opportunity, I think, going back to your first question, Steve, to write some stuff that you normally wouldn't get to write and maybe some subject matter like that that gets forgotten over time. So um, I've really enjoyed that part.
3: Well, Coach Clee, this is uh, Coach Tate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you about the Colorado situation. I think Rick George was probably down with a with a back problem when it, when Mel Tucker decided to take off and go back to Michigan State. You hired Carl Durrell. Talk about that whole process. How much money did it cost Colorado to... Uh, to make this change. And of course, how much did it cost Michigan state to make the change?
4: Mm -hmm.
14: Yeah, that's, that's the bigger one there. I think that's, that speaks to the power of the big 10 and the power of the big 10 network and the money that those programs are dealing with that the PAC 12 is not They're They're not getting the checks out here. Like big 10 programs are, Um, Mel Tucker didn't, didn't really think twice. It was, you know, he was at a fundraiser, CU fundraiser, for with a bar full of boosters. And then later that, saying he's coming back to CU. He can't, he's excited to get this thing rolling again. And a couple hours later, he's off to East Lansing. So it was a power move by the Big Ten. You know, they flexed and they came in and got a promising coach. And CU was left uh, high and dry at a really bad time to be without a coach. So they went ahead with a, the normal coaching search, as normal as one in February can be and uh, came up with a guy, Carl Durrell, who actually had his home near Boulder, a couple miles away in Lafayette, Colorado. So it was an easy sell for him. Um, I don't think the market for Carl Durrell was real stiff, and so they were able to get him on probably a reduced, I don't know you say reduced deal, but uh, he wants to be there. They seem excited about having him there, and that's a football program that has been in some really tough times. You're talking about one winning season, Lauren, in fourteen years one winner, so, huh uh, yeah, wow. he's had he's got his work cut out for him, and um, I think recruiting has shown that lately, so I wish him the best of luck because he's an outstanding individual, outstanding man, but I think it's a it's an uphill climb to win football games in Boulder and mostly has been since the early nineties in Bill McCartney
3: well how far off am I if I said that Michigan state probably had to pay? $5 million to get him and $5 million for salary when they got him. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, is that close?
14: I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. And they it didn't look like they blinked. Mm. <laughs> I forgot the kind of money the Big Ten deals with once you're out west for a few years.
3: Yeah, well, I know that uh, they were happy that uh, they were able to find somebody to replace Antonio And Tucker's off to a pretty good start in terms of recruiting. He, I, for not, I'm not talking about the incoming class, but uh, next year's class, he's got 10... Ten recruits already, which is pretty good. And you come in and hit with a virus the last two months, and he's really had no chance to get out and see people. But they're bringing in some mm-hmm. players, so anyway, how's Rick yeah, George doing out there?
14: Oh, he's he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. He's he's done as well as you can do at CU. I mean, he's a. I really thought he was going to go back to Illinois. I really did, Lauren. Yeah, I did I too. When they were making athletic director moves. Um, I, cause he loves his Illini. He loves his Illini on par with the Buffs. No question. Um, I thought they were going to steal him away. I will always be surprised if that didn't happen. Um, I think it probably worked out really well for, for Colorado. Uh, he's been an outstanding fundraiser. Uh, he's made good, very good football hires. You know, if your guy leaves after a year, he made a pretty good hire. And uh, he's got great stability on the men's basketball side uh, with Tad Boyle, who's been there a decade and would have had them back in the tournament this year. So that helps. But, um, yeah, he's he's as good of an athletic director as I've been around, Lauren.
1: We're visiting with Paul Klee from Colorado. He writes for the Gazette, which is based out of Colorado Springs. Back to college football, the people that you've talked to uh, over the last uh, few weeks or so, what's your take? What feeling do you have about what college football might look like and when is the big question.
14: I have to think there's going to be a delay. Um, I, I think we're going to have this season. The um, prognostications that we're not going to see football until 2021, I, I, that seems a little doomsday for me. Um, there's too much money involved. You've seen the SEC throwing its weight around a little bit, saying they'll go it alone. Um, we're going to have a college football season. I don't know when that's going to be. I talked to one coach last night in the Mountain West, head coach out here, and uh, he had a wild idea of something that they had talked about, that the league had talked about, which was starting in February. It's starting in February of next year. Um, I I think that's a little bit too radical of a change. I think you're going to start to see things ramp up a little faster than, than we're hearing right now but um, I can't imagine that they would be able to start in August. I I would think October is probably would be my speculation, but that's just my speculation from talking to some different coaches.
1: If they start football in October, would that push basketball back as far as when it would start?
5: I think that would be good
14: for basketball. Mm -hmm. If that happened, you know, I get the spotlight where these games uh, I'm always watching Maui and watching the Bahamas and wherever Illinois is playing and the spotlight is not yet on that sport. You know, they don't get it until January, February, March. And I don't think it would be the worst thing for college basketball to have a delayed start where you let football play out, you let the NFL season play out and then you get to hog that time uh, just between yourself and NBA. So um, if they did delay the college basketball season, um, I, I don't think that would be such a bad thing for that sport. Now, we need to play the next college basketball yeah. season. Yeah. That's very important because I think Illinois is going to have a very good team, and uh, I think my Gonzaga Bulldogs are going to be preseason number one. So let's get it going.
3: <laughs> Do you see any chance, football-wise, of starting, of of having uh, geographical difference, differences? For instance, the SEC playing while football teams in the New York area. Are delayed Uh, do you see any possibility of that kind of thing happening in this country
13: boy
14: it it's you know on on its face that question just sounds wild that we're faced with that type of dilemma but I don't think it's wild I, I think anything's on the table I can't imagine with the contracts that we're talking about with SEC football them not playing next season I, I can't imagine that and if that means separate from what the Pac is doing from what new york is doing um, i don't think it's wild to think that's a possibility I, I really don't california has dug its feet in and they're i don't think they're going to budge so can the pac 12 go ahead without california of course not can the sec i think they probably could
3: yeah, I I see a lot of difference. In fact, we're seeing things right now in this country. We're seeing some states whether they should or not opening up, and others not. And certainly Illinois is not what I would call really opening up at all. With seems to have a different idea than maybe the governor of Georgia or elsewhere. So, I just wonder if they could would the NCA be able would the NCA be able to permit that? You know, one league playing, another league not.
14: I don't know if the NCAA is going to, do they make that call? You know, if the SEC says we're going to play, is the NCAA capable of stopping that from happening? And would they, would they Uh, want to? I don't
3: think they would want to, or I don't think they could.
14: No, I don't. So I think you're going to see where the real power lies in all this. Yeah. And it's with the big 10 and it's with the SEC and, What they decide is probably what's going to happen now. The only thing I have, especially with Colorado, uh, Warren, is in Illinois as well. Out here, they're moving the goalposts all over the place. You know, a month ago, it was they put the restrictions in place. You can't travel county to county. You're supposed to stay at home because they wanted to not overwhelm the hospitals. Mm -hmm. Well, that hasn't happened. And then last night, they put in a new mask, mandatory mask out here in Colorado and increased a lot of the restrictions. I'm trying to figure out why, because that's what they told us a month ago has changed now. Now they want to get rid of the thing entirely. So it's probably frustration on my part, but I do hope that we're moving toward that opening. I think it's really important that we get that done as quickly as possible.
1: How how has all this affected your fly fishing? <laughs> you have to fish <laughs>
14: with a fish. with a mask on. <laughs> yeah, the trout are definitely uh, practicing social distancing. They won't come <laughs> within 16 of me.
1: <laughs> That's Paul Clee. We always uh, look forward to talking to you, and we always wish we had more time. But we uh, appreciate you taking time Thank with us guys. this morning.
14: Paul, oh, great to, to hear your voice. Nine holes if, I'd love to play nine holes at the orange and blue with you guys. We'll talk to you soon. All righty.
1: Thanks, Paul. Paul Clee from the Gazette out in the, the state of Colorado, 1048. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. time. Got about the nine or ten minutes more. Uh, if you'd like to call in, give us a call, 356 356- 9397 is the number on Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And when this this all gets back to normal, whatever that is, maybe you've been thinking about replacing the windows or doors at your home. How about a trip to the Pella window store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Mike, Mary and the folks at Alani Pella have been assisting homeowners and businesses for going on 50 years now. And they do it the right way. As you might guess, there are a lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors. Things like security, comfort, convenience. Well, the Pillow Window Store has many examples on the showroom floor in several styles and price ranges. Entry doors, sliding patio doors, hinge doors, storm doors, all kinds of windows. You'll find them all at the Pillow Window Store on North Country Fair Drive. They're closed right now. The showroom is closed, but they're still dealing with customers if you'd like to... uh, Get in contact with them. You can do so. Check out the um, website at PellaOfChampagne.com. For the Pella Windows Store, Mike Mary and his staff at Illini Pella Windows and Doors. Back to the phones. Let's go with uh, Mike Walner, the Director of Golf at the U of I Golf Courses in Savoy. Mike, how's it going down there? Busy again today?
6: Yeah, we're going, going pretty smooth, to be quite honest with you.
1: Tell me how yesterday went. Uh, there was a lot of... Uh, anticipation not only from the people that were getting set to play for the first time in a while yesterday but from your staff as well and you had things set up pretty well i thought and how'd the day go
6: i went it went as better than i even imagined it would go i mean everybody I, honestly i think people were just excited to be back on the golf course and people uh you know obeyed the rules and everything went you know, according to the way we envisioned it going. And oftentimes that doesn't work out. But this time it worked out pretty good.
3: How many actual players, Mike?
6: I think we ended up with about well, both courses. I think we ended up with about 90 on each course, give or take.
3: Oh, man, 180 so, players, huh?
6: Yeah, we had them, uh, you know, 15-minute tea time. That's about as max as you can get. I think we could get, if it was all full, we could get uh, – you know, I think like ninety six on each course if we filled every single time from seven in the morning to seven at night. But you know, for the most part, I mean we were full until, you know, six o'clock last night. And uh you know, everything, you know, Tucson's a little bit different. People are playing a lot faster and moving along quickly and, you know, not hanging around and basically playing golf getting in their cars and heading back
1: home. How does it look? Uh, I know you're pretty well booked today, but how does it look in the uh, next few days?
6: I think the next, uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow it's getting, you know, getting, you know, full, and then Monday is getting, you know, getting a few people in there as well. I think, the you know, the initial, everybody wants to get out and play, you know, filled up the tee time so quickly because everybody was so excited to get, get out and play and do something and I think it'll die down you know during the weekdays I don't think it'll be near as near as bad as it was on you know Friday and Saturday and Sunday but you know I think uh, the weekends from until further notice are probably going to be pretty busy so
3: what are you hearing on other clubs uh, Mike around the
6: area well uh, to be quite honest Lauren we had a you know all the the country clubs and Lake of the woods. And myself, we had like a little zoom meeting last, um, last Saturday afternoon. And we talked through, we all talked together on how we wanted to do things and how we were planning on doing things. And to be quite honest, I think we're all on the same page and that's what we wanted to be. And I know the rant tool courses are, you know, on the same page with all of us as well. So, you know, we don't want to be the ones that, you know, are the rule breakers. If they're going to be out there, it's not going to be us.
3: Uh, do you think you'll stay with the 15-minute uh, times? I mean, that's that seems to be extremely long between teachers It
6: is. It is. And, you know, to be honest, for us, you know, we've got both starting holes, you know, and you can only start on hole number one. So you can't be going off one and ten or there's no no shotgun starts or anything like that. But everybody goes off number one. So on both of our number ones, they're par fives followed by a par three. So I think a lot of guys, you know, with the time that fifteen minute goes, most people are putting on number two. Yeah, so right, yeah, yeah. Like two holes ahead. Yeah. So, and that's you know that that's good. I mean, you know, you know whatever they, you know, like like we all talked about, we're we're just happy to be open and we're, you know, we're thrilled with what they've given us right now and hopefully if we're all you know, good stewards of the rules and the game they gave us, then we might get a little more, you know, some more limitations lifted here the next, uh, you know, couple weeks. So,
1: Good stuff, Mike. I know Pre-
6: the, appreciate uh, you uh, checking I, I, in. I know Chicago. Okay, thanks, Stevie. You bet. See you guys later. Thank you. That's
1: All Mike Walner from the U of I golf courses in Savoy. A couple of calls holding. Bob, you're on the air. Go ahead.
15: Yeah, hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, with Stephen Gentry coming from Gonzaga, I wonder if Paul Klee knew about him at all, and I was uh, wanted to get in and ask him because I think he's been a gem on our uh, <clears throat> basketball staff. Well, I, I can
3: tell you for sure lot. that Clee knows him well, and yeah, I mean he's been a as you say he's been a big help on the on the staff, and and um, he's Clee knows everybody on that. Of course, Klee attended Gonzaga. So uh, he knows right. all, he's known all those coaches for years.
15: Yeah. Well, I knew I knew that, and I knew Stephen Gentry has been a big factor on our staff, uh, recruiting-wise, and also being a steady force with, with Coach Underwood. So it was just one of those things. I, I said that's a great connection for uh, Paul Klee to have with Illinois and with, with Stephen Gentry. So glad to know that. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Bob, we appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go uh, back to the phones and say hi to Michael and Muhammad. Hey, Michael. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you. Uh,
8: um, One thing about the football season in the state of Illinois is Pritzker is
7: tightening the screws even more than before. So I don't see how, if it's up to him, he's not going to open up the state. He's got no reason to. He knows he's going to be
8: reelected no matter what. And his own family isn't following the rules. He got called on yesterday and he said it was irrehensible irre- irre- for anybody to question his authority and what his family does.
3: Well, I think you're right that it's going to be tight here, and I think that all the rules in, for the state of Illinois are made for Chicago, and they're not made for Cairo, and they're a long way apart. They're a long way apart well, in a lot of ways. <laughs>
8: and I and Don't get me wrong. This is a very scary situation, but we yes. can't do this for two years.
3: Well, I don't disagree with that. I don't know what thank we. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Thank you,
1: Michael. We appreciate uh, you taking time to call. Let's squeeze in here. Eric calling from Portland, Oregon. Hey, oh, Eric. Man.
16: Hey, guys. It's great to hear you on another Saturday morning, Steve. You had me worried. Why is that? I can not believe you went 30 minutes without mentioning golf. I was about to call the Carl Emergency Room to <laughs> send somebody down to DWS.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had too many guests booked there before we could uh, get to that. What's on your mind?
16: Well, you know, um, I think uh, it's just great how the programs are improving, but I also think um, the fans need to frame shift a little bit. You know, for years, as Illini fans, we've had so much to complain about, and I'm going to spin that one around. I'm going to complain a little bit about the Illini fans. I see a lot of people kind of hopping on stuff like, oh, this – you know, assessment said that, you know, IO is not going to be drafted and this one says he's not going to be drafted. I mean, we, the best thing if, you know, for IO to go pro of course, it'd be great if he came back, but the best, you know, we got a different program now and we're going to be getting players that are going to be leaving because they're so successful and it's a good problem to have. And I just feel like we need to get a hundred percent behind him. I mean, that guy did so much for this program, and um, I just think we should wish him the best. And I hope he gets drafted, and just has a great career. You know, uh, well, I think we all—I don't know anybody that yeah, doesn't
3: feel yeah. that same way. But the, the problem is that it's a fact of life that yeah, it's yeah. 50/50 whether he gets drafted in the second round at all. It's—it's it's not right, even 50/50. Right. It's below that. So we we recognize that fact, but I. I hope he turns pro. I hope he gets a, a contract, and I think, I think, if he does turn pro, I think he will get a contract. I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I just, I got a hunch he will. But, but most people at the bottom of the second round are are just G League players. I mean, that's about that's what it about amounts to, with a few exceptions. They're going to be winding up in the G League. And that's yeah, not Yeah,
16: yeah. Well, it, it it it's not you guys, but you know, kind of along the a line, I've fan community i just um you know i i know it's not a given or anything but um i think we'll be great at guard with all the people we've got coming back and coming in and sure i hope kofi comes back but you know i'd love to see him have a great pro career too i just you know uh uh, i i can't thank them enough for the exciting season that we just had you know
1: all right eric we appreciate the call
16: okay thanks guys keep it up yep
1: it's past 11 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll go here. We've got a little unfinished business to do. If you have a call that you'd like to to uh, make into us, do so in the next few minutes, and we'll be back with more after this. 11.04, we're in overtime on Atlanta Ipella Saturday's Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. We've got one caller on hold here. If you have something you'd like to uh, throw at us, do so in the next few minutes, and then uh, If not, we'll get things wrapped up, but let's go to John. Hey, John, you're on with us.
13: Howdy, folks. I apologize I've not been able to listen to most of the show today, so if you've already covered this, please cut me off. But uh, in a column a couple weeks ago, Lauren pointed out that uh, Coach Levy-Smith offered 19 in-state prospects and landed none. What really is the status currently with the current coaching staff and program regarding relationships with High school coaches and recruiting within the state of Illinois.
3: Well, if I said it was good, I would be pulling your leg, I guess. I mean, it's just not good. I mean, there's, you know, I know some coaches in the mid-state area are uh, not in good, sh- don't feel good about Levy, and and it's obvious that uh, they're not doing well up in the Chicago area either. So I, I mean, it, I mean, I all I can do is say that. Recruiting for the for the 2020 season went poorly. They didn't have a single Illinois player. And 2021 is going equally poorly. I mean, I, there's no other way to put poor? it. When you're 14th in the league and you've got one recruit so far in the 21, you got you got to say it's not going well. Somebody might disagree, I I, but I don't know how you disagree.
13: I concur, but have they basically forsaken the state of Illinois? No, I don't think they've outside, forsaken it,
3: but, you know, they – the just top players are choosing other other schools. I mean, top linebackers going to Northwestern, top linemen's going to Iowa, the top quarterbacks going to Michigan. The, you got uh, you got Notre Dame picking up two key linemen up up north. I mean, we're just getting out recruited by uh, top schools.
13: So basically, you're we're tri- we're attributing to the fact that other schools are doing a much better job recruiting within our own state than we are. Well, there's no doubt about it.
3: I mean, when you don't get anybody. We haven't, we haven't hey, no, got, I concur with I mean I, I, can, I don't want to say that, but I mean what, what else am I supposed to
13: conclude? No, I, mean, I concur. The facts pointed out, I just was trying to focus in on the reasoning for our lack of success within our own state.
3: The reason is that the the well, part of the reason is that coaches have not really taken to lobby. They just haven't. In the state now, now you're going to find exceptions to that, and there'll be plenty of of the coaches that stand up and say, "I like Lovey," but we're for whatever reason, Illinois is not getting players out of the state. They've got this is the second year, and uh, this is really early. I mean, it's not. I I say it's early. I mean, Minnesota's got four of the top 17 uh, prospects out of the state. out of their state. Out of our state. Out of our state. Out, okay. out of Illinois. Okay. And they've got 14 overall. Okay. Uh, recruits. Illinois got one out of Texas. Iowa's the number seven recruiting team in the nation right now. Ohio State's one. Michigan's five. Ohio State's seven. Minnesota's eight. and Penn State's 13. So some schools in the Big Ten are doing well in the 2021 recruiting class. That's guys that are committing early, obviously. And Illinois, as I said, has got one, and so there's no way I can tell you that things are going good. Now he may have lots of promises. He may have uh, he may have some guys that that, you know they're real close on, and I'm sure that they'll 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 wind up getting, I would think, at least 15 players, uh, and they should have more than that. But but he's also emphasizing uh, junior. I'm not uh, transfers. I mean, he's got 13 transfers in on the program right now. And, they're, and they, just, they just landed one this past week, Steve. They got a, got a lineman out of Wolford uh, transfer. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've, they've got – they're lining up. They're, they're going to be okay, I think, but it's just not – you know, I don't know what to say. It, it's just it's just disturbing. You'd like to think that your home state would have a nucleus of key guys from the home state, and that's
13: not hey, the man, case. that's – right. That's just the rest of my call. So thank you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Appreciate the call. And some of this is not breaking news. No. Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, they've been coming into the state of Illinois for years and getting the some top, of the top guys.
3: And they only take the top
1: guys. Right. But the fact that Illinois hasn't gotten some of the other guys, I think, is the is the story here.
3: My memory is not the greatest, but I just said that last year we had 19 – he, he off, made 19 – offers. he said – Lovey said he made 19 offers and got none – the year before, Steve, Illinois did not do well in the state either. That would be the ones who would be sophomores this year. Right. Uh, I remember talking to Edgy Tim, who keeps track of this kind of stuff, and and at the risk of being wrong, I don't think we got any of the top ten players that year. So we haven't gotten any of the top ten players in any of these
15: three years.
1: Let's go back to the phones. Mark is with us. Hey, Mark.
15: Hey, good morning. Um, I want to touch on the G League route to the NBA. And, um, you know, people talking about a lot of the top players going there. I think this will have a short shelf life. Let me tell you why I say that. Um, The top players who are going there will end up finding out in the long run they're going to hurt their draft status and their ability to earn via endorsement. Uh, You're a star in college you're going to have more endorsement opportunity than a star in the G League. That's right. In, uh, in fandom, nobody cares about the G League. And uh, so I think it will also hurt your draft status because the guys who star in the NCAA and the NCA tournament are going to go ahead of you. I don't care where you're ranked going into the process.
3: Well, I don't know if you can say that because uh, the two guys that uh, Ball and, and – um, what's the name? The other guy's name, Hampton –
15: Hampton, yeah, Hampton.
3: They, they went to New Zealand and, and Australia to play, which is the same as going to the G League or comparable. And they're going to go very
15: high in the draft. They're going right. to go very I high. I, that's correct, uh, well, Lauren, but I say it's got a short uh, shelf life for that reason. Right. Down the line, that won't be true. Okay. Uh, the guys who are here uh, starring Will over the G League, the G League, you know, they're stacking one team. You ought to win games. You well, to to the, yeah, you're right. They're stacking one team,
3: but team. that team is not playing in the league. They're playing those teams in the league, but they're not part of the league. You understand? I, I got it. The, every yeah, game they yeah. play will be an exhibition.
15: Right, but that's my point. Uh, it's not the same level of competition. It's not the same level of coaching. It's not the same exposure. Anyway, that, that's my feeling about it, and i bet you, money. we see that as time goes on.
1: Okay. The guys will quit going there. Okay, Mark, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. The yep. guys that
3: don't want to go to class won't, will still go there.
1: The guys that don't want to go to class will still not go to class and <laughs> found a way out. Marty, we're in overtime, but go ahead down to North Carolina.
17: I love it. And, and by the way, the weather's as good down here as it is up there. It's going to be 80 degrees with a high sky. Um, great golfing weather, Steve. I know. You and Paul Clee and Lauren should be heading this way. We should. Um, your gentleman earlier that wanted to know why Illinois was having trouble recruiting in Illinois and why these others could do. I mean, Lauren gave a great answer, but the real answer is winning. If you're not consistently winning, kids are going to go to programs that are consistently winning where they think they're going to get noticed. It doesn't change. It's been that way for years and years, ever since state loyalty kind of went by the wayside. Now, I, I the won't thought.
3: disagree with that. I think if we were winning games, you'd have, you'd have a lot more success. I, I think that uh, Underwood this season has changed the perspective. He's changed the brand oh, yeah. feel, and I, I. You're right. You're absolutely right. He's,
17: cha- he's changed the national perspective on Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And a big part of it is who he's got recruiting. was tremendous. ESPN. I mean, ESPN just Coast.
3: came out with uh, with the uh, rankings for the football. I mean, it's an uh, you know assuming there's a football season. And Illinois yep. is 11th, ranked 11th in the Big Ten, way down nationally. Yep. That's that's how the teams so. are judged. And and, and and I don't know how you can do this, but they, they've got actually some of the teams that you would think Illinois would be successful against um, ranked ahead of Illinois, including Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, and Nebraska, well, of course, you, Iowa, Michigan. They're all ranked at, ahead of Illinois.
17: Well, Indiana right now is, on an upswing. Purdue has got a coach that he had an off year last year, but he's an offensive mind. He's going to score points. We're lucky we caught him on a day when it was raining like cats and dogs. Yeah. Here's another thought for you guys, and i I got a sneaking suspicion I'm right about this. I wish I wasn't. Um, you may have a lot to do with whether there's football seasons played and when things start based an awful lot on politics because you've got a whole lot of Democratic governors – that would like to see the economy not do well so they can win a national election. And also, I think, because a lot of these states are in financial trouble, and if they can make themselves look worse, they're wanting federal government and taxpayers to bail them out, get more money. And I I hate to say that, but I think there's a lot of truth to that, and they may have a lot to do with what happens with sports. Get your thinking on that. And I'll let you go, because
1: I know I'm in overtime. All right. Thanks, Marty. All right. Appreciate Great the call. Go. Thank you. All right. Any thoughts on that, Lord?
3: Oh, I'm not going to get into the political side of it, but no. th- there's a lot of talk that way. I don't. I. Yeah. I,
1: I'm not qualified to talk politics. I, I
3: kind of brought it up before when I said that there's a lot of Republican governors in the South who will be supportive of the SEC returning to football, regardless of what anybody else does. And I may be completely wrong. That's just my feeling.
1: Squeeze in with at least one more call. Mike, it's you. Go ahead.
11: Yeah, um, I thought you guys might be interested. Uh, now a couple of weeks ago, I had time on my hands, so I thought, well, I'll check Big Ten, Big Ten Network and see if they have any Illinois, you know, greatest games on. I checked for two days and didn't see anything at all. So because I had time on my hands, just I went for a full week from a Friday to Friday, 24 hours a day, just and counting the number of uh, games I didn't get into. Uh, you know, the journey and stuff like that, but games for the different Big Ten schools. Iowa was the highest. Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin were all in the high 30s. The next highest, if I remember correctly, was Nebraska with 20-some. In a week's period, there were two games for Illinois. Now, I recognize we haven't had as many championships and such as they have had, but you know, that seems a little bit skewed and they could do a volleyball final four or, uh, I mean, maybe even in the wee hours, uh, big or a golf championship intake. I mean, there's things that Illinois could have. And I just think 37 to two is not, uh, is not reasonable.
3: Okay.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Good point. Uh, I guess that's the question for the big 10 network, but, uh, they're having uh, issues like everybody else and trying to get programming on, but uh, it's interesting that you had time to, to figure that out, and I, I wouldn't have guessed uh, the discrepancy would have been like that.
11: A lot of time nowadays.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to just about take care of things, uh, Mr. Tate. Anything else on your mind?
3: No, I just spilled out everything
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Will you know more next week so we could do it again? I'll or try. You're going to spill out the same stuff? <laughs>
3: Probably the same stuff.
1: Appreciate uh, our guests, Adam Fletcher, Trent Meacham, Mark Tupper, David Schuster, and Paul Klee. Thanks to the 15 or so callers that uh, took time to call in. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks to Ed Bond for his help in the other room. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This has been I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Have a good weekend, everybody.